God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, uh, we have two main topics we're going to be covering today, and one of them is Davos and uh, what's happening at the World Economic Forum. We want to keep our eye on those monsters. And then also we want to uh, just kind of peel back the onion a little bit about... uh, You know, the aftermath of Iowa, I got to make one correction and get into New Hampshire and talk about what is at stake there and some things that seem to be a little bit surprising and and unexpected. So I think we'll start with, you know, New Hampshire and uh, Trump and Vivek and Nikki Haley and get into that. Um, I'll start by saying that the Wall, the Wall Street Journal put out a story and it was a picture of Joe Biden and it says, it's an opinion piece by this guy named Holman Jenkins Jr. slash moron. Biden wins the GOP Iowa caucus is the title of his article. <laughs> And think about that for a second. Now, you have Democrat after Democrat after Democrat voting for Nikki Haley because they want her. She's like a Lincoln Project Republican. She's like Michael Steele. Remember Michael Steele, that black guy that was the head of the RNC? I just saw him yesterday or, yeah, yesterday on MSNBC, the most liberal propaganda News organization, that's not the news organization, propaganda machine that the Democrats actually have right now. Nothing but lies. And they actually said, if you listen to Rachel Maddow, she said, well, we're not going to run 
We're not going to run uh, President Trump's speech because we don't. We're a news organization with integrity, and we are not going to. Meanwhile, during that segment, during Trump's speech, Joy Reid is talking about you know how brown people and black people aren't part of the. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? The way they go at it. And so, you know, it's it's just, they do nothing but. You know, I remember when Rachel Maddow said the thing, it's like, if you take get the vaccine, uh, you get the, you, you know, the virus hits you and it stops and we can end this thing. She completely lied. Oh, she's going to say, they're going to say, based on the information they had at the time. The only information that they use is liberal left-wing political propaganda from the government. They're nothing better than the worst example of totalitarian news organizations in the history of mankind. But they're not doing it because they have a gun to their head. They're doing it because they'll be put out of business because nobody's going to buy their crap except for the fact that they're paid. The only thing that's keeping CNN and MSNBC afloat right now, and Fox News for that matter, Fox News' biggest shareholder is BlackRock. But the only thing that's keeping them alive is that no matter what they say, whether it's true or false, whether they're good or not, they're going to consistently get the funding. The reason why Target from BlackRock and, and the global corporate super monopoly, that is the multinational corporations that BlackRock has a stake in, like a dominant stake in, I mean. And that's what's going on there. So it doesn't matter whether or not you decide, oh, I'm going to boycott Bud Light. Guess what? If you buy Corona, you're buying a piece of the AB, uh, whatever that company is that owns, that bought out Anheuser-Busch. I forget the name. It's a South American company. But you, you take a look at all Molson Golden. You think you're buying a Canadian? I'm going to buy a Canadian beer. You're boycotting Bud Light, but you're you're going to do the Canadian beer. You're still buying. You're still paying Klaus Schwab. You're you're still paying by proxy Klaus Schwab. You're still paying Larry Fink. You're still they're still benefiting from it more than ever before. The Sherman Act needs to be put in place. Of course. It's been skirted and sidestepped because these are multinational corporations. When the Sherman Act and the antitrust laws were put into America, it was for American-based companies. We didn't have a global market per se. I mean, yeah, there was shipping, but global markets were not a thing. We were, sell- we were independent. We were bilateral. We were unilateral. We were making our own markets. We were competing state against state, not country against country. And now you have all these different relationships and partnerships and treaties and and uh, agreements and accords. You name it. I mean, the Paris Agreement is probably one of the worst deals for America. And that's why Elon Musk on that one is torn because, you know, unlike the globalists, Elon Musk says that depopulation is the worst thing, is the existential threat. But the globalists over in Davos right now are saying 
depopulation is a thing. You know, we got to have depopulation. So they want to control your food, your money, your energy. They want to freeze you to death. They want you to starve to death. They want to take your money if you don't cooperate and say the right things. You know, they don't want you in their club. I was talking about this too. Like, you know, in the old days, like in the 30s, if you were rich, you got to go to a certain restaurant. And if you were poor, the mentality was you didn't dare even think that you could ever walk into a restaurant of of a higher caliber. There was basically the haves and the have-nots. I mean, there was the super elite, the asters, and then there was the poor or the middle class. And class structure was a thing back then. Oh, I couldn't go there. I couldn't walk into that store. I couldn't go to that restaurant. I can't send my kids to that school because that's where the elite go. And there was a thing. The highly educated, the super rich. And if you were those things, you were in an exclusive club and you only hung out with those people. But then as industry started evolving, the industrial age and all these things happened, next thing you know, there was Jeb's a millionaire. Oh, Jeb's a millionaire, right? The Beverly Hillbillies was a great example of the merging of classes because you can literally afford. I mean, literally, the Vanderbilts were shunned by the Astors if you watch the Gilded Age, right? Um, and they were basically shunned. The 400 Club, remember that? The Astors? So it was an exclusive club. Old money versus new money. And you can go on and take it on further. And now you got, you know, LeBron James being the richest dude in town. And he's dumb as a rock. And he's going to sit there and walk in and take all your women. You know, that kind of thing. They don't want any part of it. They don't want this new money intruded. That, that's what the globalist, that's part of, that's a big part of the globalist society. The globalist society is a secret society. It's a closed society. It has a gate. And that gate is $600,000 and up. You got to have millions. You got to be a world leader beater. And they're grooming leaders. And the more and more I see Al Gore and John Kerry, the more and more I know that Klaus Schwab in the 70s, when he forged it, the World Economic Forum, on the on the uh, assets and guidance of his father, who was a Nazi. It took him 20 years to get to a point where he had major influence. And he was starting to get into parliament and into different places. And Al Gore and John Kerry, if they would have been president in 2000 and 2004, so in that case, you could say, well, the Bushes probably saved America a little bit. But you had the Clintons. And then you had Al Gore just about, you know, one vote away, like in Florida, one chat away in Florida, right? Well, there was a lot of this going on. But you look at now what a quack they are. It sort of reminds me of the story when I w watched all the President's Men and I thought, I want to be a journalist. I want to be like Woodward and Bernstein. 
And then during the Trump presidency and all the different impeachment hoaxes and things like that, you had these little two uh, libtards, Woodward and Bernstein, acting like pot-smoking Kool-Aid drinkers. I mean, and then John Dean, he was part of Nixon's cabinet. And they would talk about, you know, how this is worse than Watergate. It wasn't even a thing. Like, it was a complete hoax. But they were able to spin it in the any way that they could. And they would compare it to Watergate as if, oh, well, we were there. We know. We can, we're the only people in the room right now that can compare it. And this is worse than Watergate. This is really, really bad. Trump didn't do anything. Trump even said, I choose to stay out of it. I know it's a sham, and I didn't do anything, so they're not going to find anything. The only way I could hurt myself is if I get my fingerprints on the cookie jar. I'm not going to meddle. Just do whatever you have to do, but you're going to find nothing. It's the cover-up that's worse than the crime. That's what he said. Trump said that. One thing I learned about Nixon and Watergate, the, the cover-up's worse than the crime. So I'm not going to, I choose not to get involved. They hated that. The liberals hated that. He outsmarted them every step of the way. But globalism is about that. And you know the thing is, is that when you take a look at Nikki Haley and you take a look at Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, a lot of people are calling for Ron DeSantis especially to step out. He steps out, Nikki Haley doesn't have a chance anywhere. Because the party, the, the, the party is not just about Trump. It is about America first policies. And we know what those policies are. Border security, strong military, fiscal responsibility, you, you know, good trade deals, America first, manufacturing, energy independence. You know, we can go on and on. We know what America first is. And Vivek did a great job in pushing the America first agenda. Everybody thought that DeSantis was the America first guy. America first 2.0, Trump 2.0. But how can you have 2.0 when 1.0 is in the room? 1.0 has to leave the arena for 2.0 to prosper. That That's a basic math, right? So that's where we are right now. But what has to happen is DeSantis has to look at his future. If he were to bail now and endorse Trump, he would have a political future. Vivek said that, actually, in his concession speech and when he endorsed Trump. And he said, you know, I think that I'm calling on DeSantis to bail. I'm calling on DeSantis to, to, you know, exit the race. And he could save himself. But it's about the company you keep and the people you align yourself with. And DeSantis aligned himself with Bush and Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney and took the money. And as soon as he did that, it doesn't matter how good looking his wife is. He's a globalist. And that's the problem. Is that you can't have America first and be funded and align yourself and partner up with globalists. 
Now, Nikki Haley's long gone. She's been a globalist since day one. She she was more of a Bush Republican from day one. I never, ever liked Nikki Haley. Back when Dylan Roof shot up that church in South Carolina, she exploited that particular attack, that terror, that that terrible day to get rid of the rebel flag in South Carolina. It's part of their culture. She got rid of it because she is a globalist. She is a scoundrel. You know, she was a big backer of Pfizer, you know, a big, big supporter of Pfizer. You know, what do you make of that? So, yeah, right here. Under under things the media will not tell you, Republicans are not voting for Nikki Haley. Democrats are. And they will not be around in the fall. That's true. True story. And here's, here's, here's proof of that, actually. I, I have proof. Here's a Democrat. Let's see what she has to say. It means nothing to me. Iowa means nothing. No, I'm an independent, but I'm going to vote for Nikki Haley to try to slow Trump's momentum. So that's a New Hampshire uh, Democrat going to vote for Nikki Haley. And Democrats put their primary on the same day. So that's interesting. She, she's going to basically vote for Nikki Haley. But she won't vote for Nikki Haley in the fall. You understand that. More Democrat dirty tricks. Democrats are voting in the Republican Iowa caucus. They can do some, they could do same day voter registration changes in Iowa. So they are switching party affiliation to vote for Nikki in an attempt to keep Trump from winning the Iowa caucus. That was in Iowa. And they're doing the same thing in New Hampshire. That was posted, uh, January 15th. Yeah, so that was two days old. Yeah, that, that's why that came out. Here, this despicable woman, an Indian idol worshiper, uh, using the alias Nikki, her real name is Nimarada, advocates for Palestinians to simply relocate, dismissing the ethnic cleansing and genocide. Uh, so I hope our Muslim community in America obtains abstains from voting as both Republicans and Democrats harm and murder Muslims worldwide. Okay, well, this is probably, but this guy, what she's basically saying is Hamas needs to move to other uh, countries, never minding the atrocities that Hamas uh, was was perpetrating. You know, kind of a sellout foreign policy. So, Never Trumper Martha McCallum looks dreadfully crushed. Crushed. Uh, Ron DeSantis practically moved to Iowa. Nikki Haley has Democrats voting for her. Vivek had Elon tweeting in his favor, and they still couldn't beat the MAGA vote. True. And, you know, the other thing is Trump beat them all combined. I have one correction. I made a mistake. I can't believe it, but I did. So I said Trump won all 99 counties in Iowa. Well, it I meant Johnson County, 
He lost that one county. How much did he lose it by, Scott? He lost it by one vote. <laughs> I can't believe it. One vote, but it was a small county, I believe. You know, I think they were talking about like, I don't know, hundreds of votes or something like that. But he lost by one vote in one county. He would have done a clean sweep if he just got that one voter to vote the other way. Unbelievable. What a landslide victory. They had this poll about, uh, they have this poll out that's kind of interesting. The question was, which, which better describes view on charges against Trump? You know, all the indictments and charges against Trump. Not the 19% that think it's legitimate is says, you know, 19%, less than, I mean, more than 80% think it's illegitimate. 19% think it's legit because they're stupid, right? Well, they brought their stupidity to the poll, and of those 19%, 63% liked Nikki Haley. 17% liked DeSantis. 9% still like Trump, despite the legitimacy. And Ramaswamy, only 6% liked them, liked him. Now, here's what's interesting, is of the 81% that thought it was politically based, you know, it's all politics, political prosecution, 62% voted for Trump. 22% voted for DeSantis, probably because they were saying, regardless of uh, the circumstances, it's still, you know, a problem for Trump. It is. But we stand by Trump. Then 8% support Haley of that, uh, 81%. And then Ramaswamy also got 8%. That's quite a poll. That's quite a poll. So here, CBS News uh, reports from a precinct in Johnston, Iowa, that's the one county that Trump lost, where some registered Democrats filled out forms to switch to the Republican Party to participate in the caucus. They ran out of those forms. This room was in favor of Nikki Haley, right? And so basically it was all Democrats. Let's take a listen. Uh, Major, it's been a very interesting night. They just finished uh, voting. This was a room in favor of Nikki Haley, overwhelmingly so. Ron DeSantis second, Donald Trump a distant third. The most interesting development of the evening, and Anthony Salvanto will, will find this to be very interesting indeed. They had 50 forms for people who wanted to register tonight or switch their party registration. They ran out of those forms. Members of the caucus team here had to run out to multiple people's homes to get printer paper and get their printers fired up. They printed another 25 or so sheets of paper. They estimate about 75 people were new registrations or switched their registration from Democrat to Republican in order to play in this caucus tonight. And I think that's a big reason why Nikki Haley uh, was lifted up. You're getting a little noise here as they clean up. Uh, was so uh, impressive in this particular outing. If she can repeat that, because we're talking about... Well, and that's CBS, right? They just go, hey, they, they, they spend more time 
like CNN and MSNBC aired DeSantis and Nikki Haley's acceptance speeches, but uh, Rachel Maddow couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't do it. And the other thing was um, here at Nikki Haley, positive news that gives this was a 20, uh, November 2020 uh, post and tweet. Positive news that gives us hope. Clinical results from Pfizer and Moderna show the vaccines work without serious side effects. Pfizer announced its vaccine is 95% effective and Moderna 94.5%, so 95% effective. Both could be in distribution by the end of the year free of charge. That is nothing but globalist propaganda socialism. Let's take a listen to this. Thank you, MSNBC and Rachel Mad- Madcow, for in- informing us you are a, com- a complete and utter dribble from Biden's cloth napkin. Here's He's been wearing uh, under his pants. MSNBC should lose their broadcast license. Let's take a listen. And here's a, it's a picture of a, this is a, a black woman that's tweeting this and she's got this Rachel Maddow speaking in the background and she's given this like funny look, but like, are you serious? This just for a second. Um, at this point in the evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. It's Donald uh, Trump. We will let you know if there's By the any- way, the projected winner is Donald Trump, but she didn't say the word Trump and winner. Get that? Listen. Evening, the projected winner of the Iowa caucuses um, has just started giving his victory speech. Uh, we will keep an eye on that as it happens. Uh, we will let you know if there's any news made in that speech, if there's anything noteworthy, something substantive and important. Um, the reason I'm saying this is, of course, there is a reason that we and other news organizations have generally stopped giving an unfiltered live platform to remarks by former President Trump. It is not out of spite. It is not a decision that we relish. It is a decision that we regularly revisit. Um, and honestly, earnestly, it is not an easy decision. But there is a cost to us as a news organization of knowingly broadcasting untrue things. That is a fundamental truth of our business and who we are. And so his remarks tonight will not air here live. We will monitor them uh, and let you know. About- so they will monitor it for us. And they will let us know if there's anything noteworthy. They'll let us know. Rather than just playing the speech, being a network that informs people and lets us hear from the winner of that evening, they decided that we're too stupid to hear it and make up our own minds about whether, you know, the information is truthful or not. How we do, and this is the democracy they speak of. How is this different from certain countries who filter everything so that people don't get the information that's out there. How is this any different? Yeah, and they did the same thing against Russia in the conflict, pushing this Ukraine money laundering scheme and cover-up scheme from all their shenanigans that they did since 2010 in Ukraine, meddling in their elections in 2014, setting up a coup, in 2014, you got Victoria Newland from the State Department, along with Jeffrey Pyatt from the State Department, you know, rigging elections and meddling in their affairs. 
and using USAID to redirect funds and ship biochemicals to the biolabs. And then they were afraid all of a sudden, according to Victoria Newland in sworn testimony, that she was afraid that Russia was going to get access to some of that stuff and no telling what Russia would do. Well, there's no telling what America would do at this point. Who's who's better, who's worse? You know? But that's terrible, what you just heard. Absolutely terrible. All right, so Republicans don't have to wait until November to defeat Democrats. Republicans can defeat the Democrats next Tuesday in New Hampshire. Nikki Haley is essentially the Democrats' Trojan horse. Democrats are funding her campaign and voting for her in the primaries. But they won't be there in the fall for her. All right, so we got some Trump speech uh, here. Trump makes shocking claim about why he made Nikki Haley UN ambassador at New Hampshire's at the New Hampshire rally. And this was last night. He barely made it in his plane. Had some really bumpy ride, apparently. But let's take a listen. We have to take it back. Nikki Haley is a disaster. She worked for me for a long time. I mean, I know it very well. I actually put her there for a different reason. I shouldn't say this, but you had a lieutenant governor named Henry McMaster who was fantastic. I figured if I took her out of South Carolina governorship, put her someplace, any place, I put her someplace, then Henry McMaster, who was my friend and who's turned out to be a great governor in South Carolina, Henry McMaster would become the governor. So I moved her to the United Nations. And honestly, she was not a good negotiator. She was not a good negotiator. Now she likes to talk about when I negotiated with China, I negotiated with China. I did all of it. We got in hundreds of billions of dollars and I did it. Also, Lighthizer gets a lot of credit for negotiating with China and also Peter Navarro. Uh, those are the two two tough guys that negotiated the China deal. And uh, it's funny, when I was at, at Mar-a-Lago, flying into West Palm Beach, I uh, recognized Lighthizer in the uh, airport in West Palm. Apparently, that's where he lives or he has a place. And he was just a man, you know, just all smiles talking to some different people but he wasn't wasn't acting like a celebrity he flew coach by the way he was on our plane and uh he flew coach too you know uh down to west palm but uh yeah i said that guy looks familiar and i literally i took a picture of him secretly and i was like i can't get his name i couldn't place his name and then uh next thing you know I did a face comparison and he looked just like, and he came up, you know, I did an image search on the picture I literally took and somehow it worked out and I ended up getting, uh, finding out, oh, that's Lighthizer. I I always had a lot of respect for him too because he was just such a boss. I mean, his his deals were great and uh, Peter Navarro also I thought was great. But it wasn't Nikki Haley, that's for sure. And Trump's right. Let's take, let's continue with this. Dollars, and I did it. And you know, she has a, she has a hit on Social Security. You know, she wants to raise the age very substantially. You don't need that. We don't want to do that. And we have that liquid gold. We don't have to do that to our seniors. You earned it. You're right. Who, who said that? That's a good point. 
you earned it. You did earn it, and you don't need that. And the same thing with Medicare. They want to obliterate it. We're not going to do that. So I say this. Get out and vote and make sure we win by big margins. The bigger the margin, the bigger the mandate that we have, the stronger we're going to be. And I mean strong not just for the next state, because the next state is Nevada. And we're leading by 90 points. So, so... I mean, unless you had a catastrophic event, <laughs> I think it, that's in good shape. And then we go to South Carolina, we're leading by a lot. And then we're leading by everything, by everywhere. You so, you know, the point is, what the hell, what the heck are they thinking about in New Hampshire? I mean, don't they get it? And I think that, you know, if you can, A, if you took DeSantis out of the equation, DeSantis is just acting like a spoiler. And I think if he spoils it for Trump in New Hampshire, Trump's still going to win. But there's this latest poll that had Nikki Haley and Trump at 40-40. 40%-40%. And she's sort of trending, surging. But yet, I don't know how you do that when you're in third place. It's There's something fishy going on. Right? You took third. You underperformed in Iowa. And somehow, you know, you're supposed to be the... I just don't get it. You know, it just doesn't, the math doesn't add up. Right? So check it, check this out. Now, this is a Lincoln Project woman. This woman was part of the the founder of the Lincoln Project. You know, basically a Trump hating person appearing on MSNBC. Her name is Jennifer Horn. She's the former New Hampshire GOP party chair. And of course, the governor there is Sununu, Sununu, and they hate Trump too, you know, because they're that kind of Republican. But take a listen to even what this woman says. Take a listen. And it never does. Um, there's no question that Donald Trump is just su- such a a bomb thrower. He's he's just completely blown up the entire political process in our country. That if ever there was a time when uh, people really would organize in a way that uh, having these independents come in and, and vote with you know with a different party would make a difference, this would be it. But with the competing um, the competing influence of the Democrats trying to turn out uh, folks to write in Joe Biden. I just don't know how that's going to work out. I just, I don't see a huge uh, influence on the number of voters that Nikki Haley ends up getting here. Well, tell me what you're hearing in New Hampshire, because when I talk to people, I've been hearing Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. I haven't been hearing Trump right. as much. I talked to, again, our embed who's been living here for six months, who says that she keeps hearing Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley organically at the grocery store on the street, not so much hearing Donald Trump organically, except for at the events that he's done. Um, do you see Nikki Haley is actually having a shot in this state now that Chris Christie is out? Or, or, or are you thinking that it's all Trump all the way? Yeah, I have to say, Nikki Haley's greatest um, strength, the, the best thing that has happened to her candidacy has been that AFP money. There's no question that when that came into the race, that pushed her in a way and was able to get her message out in a way that she was unable to do. This on is the her Koch own. brothers, by the way. We'll tell everybody yes. the AFP yeah. money yeah. is the Koch, Koch brothers. Koch brothers money. Yes, the, the Americans for Prosperity, which is funded by the Koch brothers. Um, and that has what has really enabled 
her message to be spread to the degree that it ha- that it has. That's why people are you know using that line about chaos. That's why they're hearing it as often as they are. And by the way, however, uh, I tr- don't- Trump made it very clear. Koch brothers support open borders. They love that slave labor and the rigged economy think Nikki Haley beats Donald Trump in New Hampshire. You know, if you look at 538, the um, average difference between... I don't think Nikki Haley beats Donald Trump in New Hampshire. You know, if you look at 538, the um, average... Listen to this again. That's why people are, you know, using that line about chaos. That's why they're hearing it as often as they are. However, I don't think Nikki Haley beats Donald Trump in New Hampshire. You know, if you look at 538, the um, average difference between them is still in the double digits. It's 13 points. Could she make that up in a week? Sure, she could. I don't think she's going to, however. Um, and I, I really think that uh, everything we've seen with Trump, go back and think about 2016, his support is always underestimated. His supporters don't, you know, don't act the way that other, that yeah, other regular. You want to know why? Because they'll get arrested. The FBI will go and uh, break down your door if you actually say you like Trump or, you know, activists and supporters do. Um, No matter what the weather is, no matter what the attacks are, no matter what happens in the courtroom over the next seven days, his people, 100% of them, will turn out. I don't see that enthusiasm for Nikki Hill. No, because it's it's all money. It's all bought and paid for. So that's pretty good. That's interesting analysis, I want to say. Not great, but... um, this woman obviously knows New Hampshire politics very well. She was the New Hampshire GOP chair. She knows what's going on. I think it's kind of interesting that she said that on MSNBC. And, you know, they're trying to give Nikki Haley momentum on MSNBC. And they got that response from that woman. Her name, her name again is Jennifer Horn. Look her up. Uh, former New Hampshire GOP party chair, but she was also the founder of the Lincoln Project who hates Trump like, you know, you can't hate Trump any worse than the Lincoln Project does. All right, let's take a listen to this. This is the big one. This is uh, Trump and Vivek. Let's take a listen to Vivek. The first candidate ever to get more than 52% of the vote. We now... uh have our eyes on a very special place. You know what that place is? New Hampshire. (laughs) And I know that New Hampshire will never let us down, just like in 2016. You remember that? We came in here and we won in a landslide, 2016. It's time for the Republican Party, however, to unify, come together, and move forward as one team. We have to beat crooked Joe Biden. We have to beat him. Our country is at stake, and we need to focus on all of our resources. We have to put them into energy and effort and defeating Biden and all of these radical left lunatics, what they're doing to our country. We can't let it happen. We cannot let it continue. We're going down, and we cannot let it continue. Last night, I was honored to receive the endorsement of a man who has become a true leader and earned the admiration of so many patriots. I've been a friend of his, even though we were competing against each other. But I was a friend of his, and we got along. And he was saying he's a great president. I kept saying, why is he running? He keeps calling me a great president. But he's a fantastic guy, a very smart guy. He's got some tremendous ideas. And uh, he's young, and he's got some young ideas, too. And that's a good thing. 
So he has a big, beautiful, bright future ahead. Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> Ramaswamy. <laughs> I think it's tough for uh, Trump to say Ramaswamy. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do this, guys. It's good to see you. It's good to be back to New Hampshire. We miss you guys. We're going to make this happen, and you guys know this well. You know this man. You know why we're here, patriots across the state. We are in the middle of a war in this country. That's what this is. It's not a war between black and white. It's not between Democrat and Republican, even in a deeper sense. It's between the permanent state and the everyday citizen. Between those of us who love the United States of America and a fringe minority who hates this country and what we stand for. And right now we need a commander-in-chief who will lead us to victory in this war. That's what we need in this country. You got to know you're in a war to win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand like most Republicans. And I think that's going to require somebody who isn't bought and paid for, a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? Both of those guys. And that's why I was in this race. But I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night. And I'm a big believer that we, the people, create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around that we the people choose who leads this country. And so we heard we the people last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump for President of the United States and do everything in my power to lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. That's where we live right now. And you want to know, what does it mean to be a Republican today? It means we believe in the ideals of 1776. Ideals like freedom and merit and the pursuit of excellence. That you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. And affirmative action. And DEI. We are done with the nonsense. Send it back home. It means you believe in the rule of law. And I say this as the kid of legal immigrants to this country. That means your first act of entering this country cannot break the law, and that is why we need to use our military to secure our own southern border. In hey, listen, one quick thing. You know, Trump's wife? Immigrant, right? Melania, immigrant. And his family? Immigrants. And... You know, and then they want to talk about these people being anti-immigrant, immigration. There, there's nothing, there's no, no ticket better than this, where it's basically two families with immediate immig immigration involved in their lives. In this country, that's what it means to stand for the rule of law in the United States of America. It means the people we elect to run the government needs to be the ones who actually run the government, not the shadow government in the deep state that runs the show today. This man is going to get in there this time around and actually shut down that deep state. Not messing around this time anymore. That's how we win this war in this country. 
And the way we're actually going to do this in the long run and win this this time around is with elections we need to secure in this country for the long run. You want to know what needs to happen in this country? Single day voting on election day as a national holiday with paper ballots, government issued ID to match the voter file, and English as the sole language that appears on a ballot. And I'm confident this man will be the one to get us there. And this is how we get our country back. Not black or white, it's deeper than that. These are the ideals of the American Revolution. And you know what? We do have some enemies that we need to defeat on the other side, but we have challenges to address in our own party right here at home. So you know what? If you want somebody who's going to foist onto you to use your social media account, you want to use a driver's license to do it, to have the right to use the Internet, this man's not your man. There's another candidate in this race who will do that for you. It's Nikki Haley. You want to send, you want to cut Social Security, you want to cut Medicare, you want to cut veterans' benefits so we can fork over more money to Ukraine so some kleptocrat can buy a bigger house? Vote for Nikki Haley, not this man right here. But if you want to actually put an agenda that puts <coughs> Americans first, to say that the moral obligation of your leaders is to the citizens of this country, not another one. There is not a better choice left in this race than this man right here. And that is why I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president. Because we're not working with a lot of time here. Here we come. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, we don't have a country left. That's what it means. We've been celebrating our diversity and our differences. Listen to this. For so long that we forgot all of the ways that we are the same as Americans, bound by that common set of ideals that set this country into motion. We believe those ideals still exist. This man is going to be your next president to revive them. E pluribus unum, from many, one. And you know how we're doing it? We're doing it by speaking the truth at every step of the way. There are two genders in this country. Period. That Period. is the truth. <clears throat> Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Bingo. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government in the United States, not, not four. four. And the U.S. Constitution is the strongest and greatest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is the truth. Wow. We fight for the truth. We stand up for the truth. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what reunited us after the Civil War. That is what won us <laughs> two world wars and the Cold War. That is what still gives hope to the free world. And if we can revive that dream over group identity and victimhood and grievance, then nobody in the world, not a nation, not a corporation, not a virus, not China, is going to defeat us. That is what American exceptionalism is all about. That is what we are going to revive to, yes, make America great again. Vote for this man right here in the New Hampshire primary. God bless you. 
and your families, and may God bless our United States of America. Thank you, New Hampshire. It's good to see you guys. We're coming back and winning this in a landslide. We will not stop until we get this job done. Thank you all. God bless you and your families. That was amazing. Now, now what they're chant, chanting there is veep, 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 veep. You know, <clears throat> that we played some analysis uh, about 10 days ago. Oops. Yeah. Uh, we played some analysis about 10 days ago. And uh, we were talking about this guy, you know, thinking Ben Carson might be there. But now I'm thinking Vivek. But, uh, you know, he's 39, Trump's 78. Think about it. Two times 39 is 78. You got the young, uh, you, the fastest growing population is the younger generation, right? As the boomers are dying off. And uh, so, you know, and the great generation's dying off. Um, what you have left is uh, someone who could appeal to the young. I think it would be a strong ticket. Uh, John from Chicagoland is on the line. Welcome. Hey, Scott, good morning. You know, I'll give you one good reason why DeSantis is still my guy for the number one guy for the presidency is it should not drop out. Let's say that for some reason Trump flags because of some scandal or something that really hits him. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does and everyone well, else has dropped out besides Nikki Haley, you could say, well, they'll reactivate their campaign. That's not so easy. I guess they could do that. But that might leave her in the catbird seat, and that's the worst outcome of all. I don't think he's, at this point, he's probably going to win no matter who's in the race against him. So you don't have to worry about that. But you want to maintain the viability so of John, someone else because she's the worst. John, I have, I have a really great response for you. Okay. Um, so that, that's, that was exactly where I was going to go. After after this, I was going to go you know, with the minutes we have left. But here's sure. I'm going to say it to you, okay, and, and to the audience. And that is, I just got done watching the whole series of Billions. I don't know if you know that series. Do you? No. no. Man, what a show. It's, it's quite a series, right? It's called Billions. It's on Showtime, Paramount+. Plus. And um, I actually literally got the two ninety nine trial version for two months just so I could finish up Billions. But here's the thing. Um, they basically played this out where they got, they got a VP. So Prince, this guy, it's a big finance guy. He was playing the role of Trump in a way. And they wanted to stop Prince uh, because, you know, Trump, Prince derangement syndrome or Trump derangement syndrome, right? And they got a VP in, which was his, you know, the other candidate that was bucking at his heels. And then took him down. And then the Veep got to got the green path to the White House. And so Vivek, I think, to your point, I think Vivek is sneaky and he's slick. And I don't know how far you should trust him. But he is very, very well-spoken, very smart, very slick and sneaky. The stuff he did with biotech was very sneaky and slippery. But the point is, and I think he's very aggressive, so I think that at some point he sees this calculation as if Trump wins, he's the VP and the heir apparent in four years. 
if Trump Trump gets incarcerated or assassinated, he gets the ride in, into the front runner spot because he was there for Trump when no one else was. So either way, he made the calculation that this was a good move for him to actually uh, support Trump early and get out of the race and be his number one guy. What are your thoughts on that analysis? Well, yeah, I, I think that's what his calculation was. Yeah. I'm saying that we don't want a DeSantis, in my view, to get out because I want someone, that, whether it's him or Ramaswamy, who can challenge uh, Nikki Haley, not let her get the nomination. That's the worst of all worlds. I'm I would rather have a Ramaswamy than out. a DeSantis, though, because DeSantis is no beholden way. to the globalists. DeSantis is not a I don't, I don't think he's a globalist. He senses, if you listen to what he's saying, he, he's edging towards us. He tries to play a little bit both ways so he can get some money, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, and, you know, I like him to be a little more forthright in, in opposing the globalists. But I really, I don't think he talks, I don't think, you know, I think he's like us. Where he says, look, we got too many problems here to worry about you know, Iraq and, and the World Economic Forum. That's all nonsense. We've got to address the battle here. Our enemies are here. The cultural Marxists are here. Worrying about what these guys say in the U.N. is, you know, we can just ignore them. DeSantis understands that. So if I want him in there or somebody in there who's not Nikki Haley because I don't want her to be the candidate by default. I now, just, Ramaswamy, yeah, I don't even think Nikki that, Haley is that bright. I don't think she's that smart. No, she's not. She's not. But Ramaswamy, he's, in terms of what he said, he's the best. He's the number, I've, I've agreed with more of what he said and the way he said it and with a verve with which he said it than any candidate. The other guys, though, because he's going for broke. He knows he's got to he's got to be bold. Mm -hmm. DeSantis thought he had the inside straight, the inside track, so he had to be a little more cautious. And he's cautious by nature, and he's not that great a speaker. That's okay. I mean, Reagan wasn't always that great a speaker, believe it or not. I mean, on the debate stage, he wasn't fantastic. He was a great speaker in a, in a speech, but he wasn't necessarily a great debater. Similarly, uh, and I don't think Eisenhower was either, but they were effective. So DeSantis, I mean, look at what he's done with the new college. He, I've been saying for years, you've got to get at these college boards to really begin to root out the problem. He's doing that with New College. He's totally approved uh, look, of that. Look, I, what, DeSantis, what DeSantis did in Florida, he's my favorite governor that, that right. you know, of all the governors by far. And I, I really thought he was going to do better, actually, than he did. I don't think he did as well as I, you know, he underperformed in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but but we are up against, we, we got the music in the background here. But, uh, all right, all right. but, um, but what, anything last minute? That last word. No, no. I, I was like, "How about DeSantis as VP? That's my VP candidate. He'll be a, he'll get things done as second in command." Okay. How about that? I'll go All with right. you on that. I can live with All that. Right, fair enough. All right. Take care. All right, have, have Thank you for day. calling Bye. in. Bye bye. Thank you. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to check out magapack.org. Find out how we're advancing America First policies to make America great again. Make a donation if you can. If you'd like to keep the Scott Adams Show commercial free, also use Red State over at, as your promo code over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.